your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. Coming up on coming up in nine minutes, Lacrosse Police Department Assistant Chief Rob Abraham is going to join us. We're going to talk all things police. Obviously, a lot of that stuff going through the news, including the you know Monday the Lacrosse uh, School Board. You know, asking about SRO officers and whether or not those are actually needed. But, but we can get into that in about nine minutes. Uh, Rob Abraham, I keep saying Mike. I think that's his dad <laughs> off the top of my head. Or maybe it's a football coach somewhere that I have in my head. But uh, Rob Abraham, assistant police chief, will join us uh, in a couple of minutes. So if you've got questions, give me a text, 608-785-7914. Before we get to that, I want to say that the, the, the COVID-19 numbers continue to rise on the Cross County. Uh, Single-day record, 22 cases today. Uh, we've had the highest single-day totals in the county ever since the pandemic began in the past three days. We've had 63 cases in the past three days. We've had, in total, through March, April, and May, a combined 55 cases. So that's where we're at with COVID-19. Um, the Lacrosse County Republican Party Facebook page, they posted yesterday some perspective. Uh, zero deaths, zero current hospitalizations, a 0.14% uh, county of the population of the county has been diagnosed uh, the, the, with, uh, you know, and some other percentages and did we mention no deaths in the county? I had to say that again. With that, uh, our health department, they said, the county Republican page uh, says, has declared that the county is still in severe risk and that we should all act like our friends and neighbors are balls of infection. Seriously? Uh, La Crosse County Republican Party page continues. So our economy was wrecked. Citizens turned into paranoid germaphobes. People lost their jobs and businesses. Substance abuse, suicides increased. Uh, no numbers there. People were denied things like cancer screenings, outpatient psychiatric services, addiction treatment, elective procedures. We lost our freedom to peaceably assemble and to practice our faith. And then they end the post. Our health department needs new leadership. That's from the La Crosse County Republican Party Facebook page yesterday. Today, they railed on the uh, La Crosse Police Department announcing that the airport beach was closed and kind of the same deal uh, uh, you know, complaining that the beaches are closed and that, you know, uh, just we're, we're, we're going crazy about this virus and don't need to essentially. And then they end this post again, our health department and our city need new leadership. Uh, so they end both those posts today and yesterday with that. So, so with that, about three weeks ago, we started hearing news of a letter that was sent to area high school seniors claiming to be from the executive committee member from an executive committee member of the La Crosse County Republican Party uh, was sent to a bunch of area high school seniors. If you remember that, it was uh, probably the end of May. Uh, it came it came with a coupon for a free mega hat. The letter was filled with, quote unquote, history. Uh, we know all 17 year olds love getting letters in the mail deep filled with history. Right. That's what we love. Uh, that, that letter talked of, of race, sexual preference, white privilege. It denounced the Democratic Party, touted how amazing the Republican Party was, and that these high school seniors should come down to the GOP headquarters in Onalaska to be welcomed to the party, it says. We call it a party because we have fun. That's how that letter ended, and it was signed by an executive committee member. And 
And Bill Fian, the Lacrosse County GOP chair, he came on the show and he said that they weren't involved in in that letter. He came on and, and he said this: "We didn't send that letter out. We don't support what's said in that letter. We find it offensive. It feels like a gut punch. This is the kind of dirty trick stuff in politics that makes people not want to be involved." Uh, Bill Fian went on to say this about that letter. The thing I want to make clear in this letter, there's a lot of bizarre statements. It's almost like the Unabomber manifesto, but the policy of our county party and the Republican Party in general is that everybody is welcome. Well, about two weeks ago, the Lacrosse Tribune obtained some emails that showed that someone within the Lacrosse County Republican Party's executive committee did, in fact, send a letter, a weird letter that Bill Fian called, you know, likens to the Unabomber manifesto to area high school seniors. It even looks as though Fian came on the show and knew that somebody within the party wrote that letter. He came on and said they didn't. But it it, it looks, according to those emails, like maybe he knew somebody did, but he didn't exactly know who. And then it wasn't long before he figured out it was, was in fact, an executive committee member. Uh, He said in another email, nobody talked to the media about it. This story will go away in two days. Well, the original Facebook post by the Lacrosse County Republican Party denouncing this letter uh, back in May was deleted. It's uh, since then there has been no posts about the letter from the Lacrosse County Republican page. They haven't apologized. They haven't sent. They haven't said, "Hey, we sent out letters to area high school seniors apologizing that an executive committee went rogue." Essentially, maybe a rogue executive committee member, and uh, and, and sent that letter out. But basically, it's been a media silence. And and sure, okay. But so while the Lacrosse County Republican Party continues to rail against the city, the police, the health department on Facebook, while a virus spreads rapidly through our town, right? We've had more cases in the last three days than we had the first three months of this pandemic. Uh, they're calling for new re- leadership, right? Our health department needs new leadership. The city needs new leadership. I wonder if the Lacrosse County now needs new GOP leadership after a rogue executive committee member sent high school letters, sent this letter to high school seniors and that Bill Fian compared it to a Unifesto, uh, the Unabomber Manifesto, and all they've done is delete that original Facebook message and deny the letter and, and say nothing else about it. So maybe, maybe uh, while the Lacrosse County Republican Party rails against the health department for informing us about a virus and saying we need new leadership there, maybe the Lacrosse County Party, the Lacrosse La County Republican Party needs new leadership. I don't know. We're, we'll uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. Maybe we'll hit this at the end of the show. But I'm going to break for news. Going to bring on Rob Abraham from the Lacrosse Police Department. He's the assistant chief there, and we're going to talk about all things related to police as you know a pandemic spreads, and we're protesting against the police throughout the world. And the Lacrosse uh, School Board kind of brought up uh, the SRO plan that needs to be renewed next June. All right, we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you have a question for Rob Abraham, the city of Lacrosse, Lacrosse City Police Department's Assistant Chief of Police. Hey, Rob, how are you? Good, good. That's a mouthful. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I know. I wrote it down, and then I wasn't looking at my notes. It's easier to say Assistant Police Chief for the City of La Crosse Police Department. Um, uh, you've you've had a new chief now for uh, how many months now? A couple of months, right? Well, several months. Six yeah. months, uh, maybe. I took over last fall. So, okay, we're almost. Uh, we're almost. Yeah, probably about eight eight months then. Um, you know, did, did, there was news back when when uh, Tisher stepped stepped down, or was was it Tisher? Right, that's his name, the old police chief. 
I think uh, that was his name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he was when he announced he was leaving, and then the you know there were there were who was going to be the new police chief. A lot of people said, "Hey, probably Rob, right? He's the assistant police chief." Did you know that there was going to be a global pandemic? followed by global unrest about police violence towards black people. So you decided, you know what, I'm just going to sit this one out and let somebody else apply for this job. Well, I'd like to say I was really that smart, but uh, (laughs) occasionally I do remind the new chief how happy I am that he is the new chief. Yeah, definitely. Like he's got he's got a lot on a plate on his plate. He and he's been a guy that's uh, you know been within the department. It's not like he, we brought someone new. Uh, that was something that was important to you, right? To bring someone that that was from within to to lead the the city of La Crosse Police Department. Well, I certainly thought that there were enough highly qualified individuals within the police department. And that, you know, I mean, we become police officers here and, and serve for the city of La Crosse. And you know, obviously, you know, for some of us, our ultimate goal is is to to enter in that position, it just seemed like a shame that for many years in a row they kept looking to the outside like there was some sort of uh, expertise from the outside that we weren't uh, and didn't have here. And, and quite frankly, um, you know, Sean and, and, and the other candidates for that job certainly could make excellent chiefs anywhere. And I'm, I'm super glad to have those guys on the team here and be a part of their team. But Sean is, is doing an amazing job. Um, in the, in the short time that he's been chief, uh, you know, he's just really been out there in the community, um, been very engaged, all the things that a a police chief and and that I knew he would be an excellent leader in doing that. So I'm I'm very happy to, to work for him and and to be his assistant chief. Now, what was his, his, his job before this? Like, was was there a a relationship between the two of you guys or after he became chief, did you guys kind of have to get to know each other better and then kind of run through, you know, how you wanted the the police, the the city of La Crosse police department to run? No, I, you know, I've told this story before when I was the captain of community services a long time ago, um, chief Kudron at the time was a, a school resource officer at Lincoln middle school. So uh, I've known, uh, you know, Chief Kudron for a long time. And, and when I first came into that bureau, I had to go to a meeting over at Human Services. And I, I asked um, Sean to come with me because I wasn't just, you know, up to speed. I, I just moved into that bureau. And and he really assisted me at that meeting. And I sat back that day and I said to myself, this guy has what it takes. And I knew from that day that he would someday be the chief of La Crosse Police Department. And that's, that's the God's honest truth. Uh, yeah, he's had, and he's had a ton on his plate since then, and um, you know, with with everything that's going on, obviously we we started with a pandemic, and now we've had protests against police. And I feel I say this quite often on the show that Lacrosse feels a little bit immune to a lot of this stuff, although the the pandemic feels like it's building up here as we we've gotten a lot of cases lately. And you know, you guys put on your Facebook page that the one of the beaches, the the airport beach, was closing down, and. Um, on top of that, there's obviously these protests going on around the world, but you know, sometimes, and there was, there's been five protests, at least five protests in town, but sometimes it feels like maybe lacrosse is a little bit immune to that. We don't always see what's happening and, and probably a good thing for you guys. There hasn't been incidences in the news where, you know, like something, you know, has happened that's terribly happened, uh, against the police department, but how is morale for the, for the department on a whole? Because, you know, even if the cross police department has been singled out in anything, you know, specific, uh, I'm sure that the, the, it takes its toll as they, they read the news reports, uh, you know, from, from everywhere. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I also, you know, obviously have contact with a lot of officers. Uh, situations like these take the wind out of your sail. You know, it's it's tough as a profession when you see things like this happen. And, and I will tell you that no one that I've ever talked talked to in law enforcement um, had anything but just, you know, the worst things to say about what happened in Minneapolis. You know, um, when I saw that video, within a minute, I had sent it out to uh, staff with the commentary that, you know, this was wrong. Um, you know, this is a, a perfect case that, as you know, could be excited delirium, positional asphyxiation, and officer override. Those three things were in my email. And in most cases, I'm pretty reserved because, you know, you don't see everything that happens in the videos. You only see you know, uh, certain segments of it. But, you know, just what I saw, you know, I knew as a law enforcement officer that that was not right um, and, um, you know, wanted to make sure that that message was conveyed immediately. And, and there, there's just, there just isn't, in my opinion, anyone in law enforcement who thought that what, what occurred was, was even remotely close to being appropriate. Yeah. And, and obviously that, that, that stuff, stuff like that hasn't been, uh, you know, happening here, you guys have had to, you know, it wasn't too long ago. You, you, the, the police department did shoot and kill somebody, you know, the, 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 uh, the guy who stole a car and ended up being a, a baby in the backseat. Um, but you know, there, the, I don't think anyone could, could blame the police department for that. Right. Well, you know, in that circumstance, um, the individual had a gun. It turned out to be uh, a replica gun. Um, but you know, Pointed it at officers. Was bringing it up after being uh, told to not to not move, and so the officers had to respond appropriately. You know, I mean, they're they're in fear of you know death or great bodily harm to themselves and also that child in the vehicle. So you know, there are there are times when you know even little lacrosse and, and you know things have changed dramatically since I you know entered into law enforcement here in 1990. Um, this July will be my. 30th year, and I've seen just a lot of things happen and change, both within law enforcement and within our community in that time period. And um, you know, lacrosse is just a, a little version of, of bigger cities. You know, we see things that happen here that do happen in bigger cities, but we just don't see it as often. Sure, we're talking with Rob Abraham. He's the assistant police chief for the city of Lacrosse Police Department. Uh, yeah, and we're going to get to the, the 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 school resource officer situation after the break and. And talk about what the lacrosse school board president said on Monday uh, in a little bit. But before we do that, uh, you you guys had somebody test positive for the virus. Can you just talk about how that came came to light and what you guys did right after that? I, I don't know if you put if you sent other officers that were interacting with that person home or if you you know just I, I guess can you explain the you know the the steps you guys took? Sure. Yeah. Well, it was it was a uh, day shift officer. Um, he started feeling ill. Um, actually, on his days off, he he had returned to his home hometown to visit some family, uh, which was in Michigan. He wasn't feeling well. Uh, he wanted to get tested. Went in. Apparently, they they uh, refused him to be tested um, in Michigan. And then he went in the next day. Uh, was able to convince them, you know, either through you know his employment and and his exposure that he need, that he wanted to get tested. And he did get tested and then was confirmed to have COVID. So he immediately uh, let us know. And, you know, so we started doing some tracing back on, you know, where he had been for the last 48 hours, actually, in, in the department, who he had been 
around. We had all of those officers tested. We um, also immediately had our entire building uh, sanitized uh, with a, a sanitizer that the city owns. Had all of our squads sanitized, you know. So we really went into like a quick uh, reactionary mode, which, which, um, you know, because we had already been preparing for these back in March and April, you know, we were we were quick to respond. And fortunately, all the officers that were in his platoon that day, uh, who got tested, none of them uh, tested positive. So. Hopefully, this is an isolated incident. Uh, it's, it's believed that he had close contact uh, with an individual uh, who, who the department had arrested and was processing, and that individual did tell the officer that one of his close family members tested positive for COVID. So uh, it's possible that, uh, very possible that he you know, contracted it at work. Okay. Oh, and I don't know if you can tell us or not yet or not or, or, uh, tell us at all but that so he might have gotten it for somebody he arrested or somebody that he wrote a ticket for or how, how how does that work yeah there's there was an individual that was uh that we were having contact with and he was assisting that officer and then come to find out you know through that contact that individual did tell the officer that one of his close family members uh was positive covid okay um, did that person end up in jail where maybe the then all the people in jail would have to get tested? I, I have no idea. I'm just throwing no, it out there. No, no, no. And, you know, we've, we immediately followed through with, you know, where that person had been, who that person had contact with. So, And in high, um, hindsight, in talking with our county health department, you know, and looking at the guidelines, having every officer that was working that day uh, was a little bit overkill. Uh, but we we wanted to take the precautionary measures. Okay, and then uh, again, we're speaking with Rob Abraham, Assistant Police Chief for the City of La Crosse Police Department. Uh, and on top of that, that person, you guys, you're wearing masks the whole time, and and you know, taking all those precautions as well, right? You know, every officer throughout, you know, just in a basic day, right? Yeah, all of our officers are issued both um, N95 masks, and they're also issued medical masks, so. Up until that point, you know, we had left it up to the officer's uh, discretion. You know, if they were going to have close contact, um, they could decide whether or not they wanted to wear an N95 or if they wanted to wear, uh, you know, some medical mask or a surgical mask. Um, we've stepped that up also since then to where we're uh, asking, you know, the officers or requiring um, that, you know, put on your mask before you have contact with the public, both from an, the aspect of, you know, we don't want the public to be afraid to come and talk to us because one of our officers did uh, test positive, but we also want to make sure that, you know, our resources aren't immediately, uh, you know, impacted by the spread of COVID through the agency. All right. We're getting, again, Rob Abraham, assistant police chief. All right, Rob, we're going to, we're going to take a break for Scott's comment and news. Uh, You're going to hang tight with us and and come back, right? Yep. I'll be here. All right. We'll, we'll take a break. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. Rob Abraham, the assistant police chief for the city of La Crosse Police Department. Rob, I got, I got, I did get a couple of texts here, and um, kind of dealing with. Uh, it's part of the the transparency page that you guys put on the the city's website, and um, somebody is asking, you know, the 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 library budget was cut by a half a million dollars, but the police budget was was cut, you know, significantly less than that. I think. Uh, well, I, I'm not. I don't know if the math is right, but by 
by less than 1%. The library the library budget's around $4 million, $4.5 million. The police budget's around $11.5 million. Could you guys, uh, you know, how would you handle like a, a, a deep cut in the budget or or the cut that the city has made? Is that going to affect you greatly? Well, um, you know, that, that budget cut was put in place. All the budget cuts were put in place at the recommendation of a, of a budget committee that was appointed by council and then taken back to council to approve that. So, um, you know, one of the first things that was identified was, you know, priorities in the city and public safety, obviously police and fire, um, you know, ranked uh, as the highest priority. So it's, it's um, you know, I don't want to say that, you know, one agency is more important than the other in the city. We all uh, add to the, the quality of life um, for city residents, but, you know, there also has to be some prioritization. So, our budget cut was a hundred thousand uh, dollars. You're right, uh, and we were able to, uh, you know, absorb that with our budget. It was, you know, not certainly not as painful as you know what the library had to do, but you know, um, they understood, uh, and we all understood that, you know, we had to, we're all in this kind of together. This four and a half million dollar approximately um, budget deficit and. Um, you know, just put our best foot forward to try to make that happen. Um, actually, one of the proposals had the police department and the fire department really giving up nothing, but um, our agencies felt that we we needed to also chip in and do our part the best that we could. Now, if you wanted to expand upon, you know, what a deep cut would look like, any deep cut for any city agency, uh, police or otherwise, is, pers- is simply personnel. Um, you know, our budget is, is high 90%, um, 95%-ish, 90 and probably even higher, a little higher, of personnel costs. When you put in salaries and benefits, and that, that is, you know, the health insurance package and things of that nature. So um, big cuts um, to any agency means personnel. Okay. Yeah, so not, about 90 95% of your budget goes to paying your officers essentially and and other people within the police department yeah yeah i mean um you know we have um, about 130 employees and around 100 of those employees you know, we're authorized 100 sworn but right now we're running at 98 we're holding those positions open as part of this as well um, that doesn't include the hundred thousand dollars um you know that we're contributing to mend that uh 4.5 million dollar hole but if you know, every time you talk a budget cut, it is it is personnel. I got a text here, Rob, from Libertarian guy. So he says uh, he wants your views on qualified immunity. The Supreme Court really he texts here. The Supreme Court really needs to take up that issue. In case he's not familiar, I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not familiar. Uh, that's something the Supreme Court created that puts the burden of proof on uh, on rare victims of police violence uh put another way it allows bad apples so to speak off the hook when they violate citizens rights yeah i mean i i'm familiar with it and you know the the fact that uh you know officers can be held liably uh liable in federal in the federal courts and we do you know we as law enforcement officers are aware of that and understand that um, you know, qualified immunity does sometimes place that burden uh, 
away from the actual individual officer back onto the agency. Um, but officers who knowingly act uh, wrong in their capacity, um, you know, still can face uh, individual liability. Um, so it's something that each officer should be aware of. Um, they are aware of. And, you know, you know, we talk about bad apples. There's bad apples in every profession. Um, I know that, uh, you know, not every single police officer is a good person. Um, but I'll also contend that, you know, a vast, vast majority of police officers who are in policing are there for the right reasons. Um, and certainly within the lacrosse police department, we have tremendously high standards and we hold those officers accountable, um, for the things that they do. Um, all right. So I want to get into the the thing with the school board on Monday. The, the lacrosse school board president, Lori Cooper Stoll, kind of talked about the idea of not having school resource officers or whether they're needed. Uh, uh, overall, I think the country itself, you know, the, this general idea is called defunding the police. And I'm not a I'm not a big fan of, of that phrase. I mean, when. Uh, I said this yesterday, but, uh, you know, people that back the police are going to be mad about hearing defunding the police. And, and I liken it to people that back Planned Parenthood are going to be mad when they hear defunding Planned Parenthood. Uh, but when you dig into the idea of defunding the police, uh, it, it kind of, it kind of I, I think, narrows the responsibility of what a police officer would do and, and kind of takes those other responsibilities and, and doles them out to other entities. I, I think you could even talk about this with the fire department. I think our lacrosse fire department is also building inspectors, and they're also first responders. So you could talk about that within the fire department. Maybe have firemen fight fires and have first responders be first responders. But uh, we don't we don't complain there. We complain about it with uh, the police department just as of late, of course. Uh, what's what do you think of that that phrase defunding the police? And do you do you agree or disagree with the fact that you know maybe maybe we could narrow the uh, police officers' duties to to a certain degree? All right, so you start out with SRO, but then you went over to defund. So I'll just talk about defunding yeah, okay. the police. And um, you know, so for a long time, uh, I think some of the same people who who had the uh, idea of defunding the police also had the same idea that you know police should do more than just um, lock people up and throw them away. So, you know, policing in and of itself is more than just law enforcement. Um, so when, when community policing and policing started to evolve, law enforcement was asked to do more and more and more. And we took those challenges on sometimes because other groups couldn't, couldn't get the job done as efficiently as we could. Um, so, Instead of just showing up, uh, rolling up in the car, jumping out, saying, okay, what law did you break, arrest, and take to jail, now we try to do all these other things, uh, you know, work with the homeless population to help them find stable living so they're not deteriorating quality of life and working with other segments and trying to prevent crime and, you know, and doing a lot more what would be considered community policing, um, proactive quality of life issues. Um, so if, if you want to take that away from law enforcement and quote unquote defund, um, that aspect of it and just, um, turn law enforcement back into strictly law enforcement. Uh, I, I look at it as kind of this going backwards in policing and, and when you look at the different eras of law enforcement, 
do you really want law enforcement to be the just the facts, ma'am? Um, you know, stick to what's black and white here. We'll come, we'll arrest, and we'll take you to jail or issue the citation. I don't think that that's really what policing is in this 21st century. I think it's 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 developed beyond that. You know, a lot of times police officers are referred to as social workers with guns, but the fact of the matter is, if you want, if you think that you're going to find a social worker who's going to go to a scene where someone is holding someone else hostage or holding a gun to their head, or uh, even in you know dealing with some of the other things that that a police officer is asked to deal with, um, you're going to be hard to find those people who are willing to put themselves into those situations. Um, you know, we're there. Uh, we're there 24-7, 365. We're out on the street. Well, we're not, uh, a lot of times we're not waiting for something to happen. You know, we're, we're either responding to what's happening or we're, we're trying to prevent things from happening and keeping communities safe. So I think you've seen, you know, they've also talked about these trends where crime is going down in this country. Um, and, and I would suggest that maybe that has something to do with the fact that policing has changed in this country to where it's not just law enforcement and it's more policing. Um, and and in relation to that, the, the, the idea of defunding the police, I, I, I related that I was going to relate that to the um, the school resource officer situation. Uh, your contract is up next June uh, with the lacrosse school uh, the the lacrosse school district. And Lori Cooper stole the school board president. Just she just brought it up. I don't know if she was she wasn't advocating for it. Maybe she was a little bit, uh, but it was something like, "Hey, we need to start talking about this. Our school resource officers needed." Uh, you said, I think earlier, you said you've been in law enforcement since the '90s. That's how long the city of La Crosse has had a relationship with the school district in terms of school resource officers and a dare officer. Um, uh, but but do you do you, can you just talk about the idea of what what a school resource officer does for the for the district and would you guys would you guys be really I, I'm sure it would be a big blow if you weren't able to to have that relationship with the school anymore. Yeah, well, first off, I you know my personal opinion and I, I believe that opinion of the department is that we strongly support officers in the schools. They they provide much more service than just simply, uh, you know, arresting people. And I think comment was made, uh, and I have to, I have to be a little careful because I know that my chief has a, a call with, um, Lori Cooper stole tomorrow. So I don't want to, um, upset the apple cart because once in a while I've been known to speak my mind, but, um, you know, I, the officer provides, um, much more resource to that school, than that of a crime fighter. But on the other hand, when you look around at where this country is and you talk about first line of defense and first responders and keeping children safe, um, you know, the number one thing that, that keeps, I think, children safe in those schools is a school resource officer. Uh, you know, there has been just as many or more studies showing the effectiveness of school resource officers, including the fact that for every dollar spent on a school resource officer, you can save $11 in social economic value and package to that school and to that community. I think that those things are getting overlooked based on knee-jerk reactions uh, uh, 
and and possibly personal agendas uh, at the school board level. And I wonder if the school, you know, the school district, like anywhere, is, is probably hurting for money. So they're maybe looking for ways to cut um, a school resource officer. You know, they go to, uh, I, I guess, all the public schools and then some of the private schools. And are they they're This is a different entity than the neighborhood officers, right? They're not also neighborhood officers. Or are they? No, our, our neighborhood, our neighborhood resource officers are different than our school resource officers. So each high school and each middle school has a one-to-one assigned school resource officer. And then we have one DARE officer that floats between the elementary schools and is a resource to the elementary schools. Um, and I'll tell you that the school resource officers and the relationships that they build with everyone in those schools, with, with people of color, with teachers, with, with administrators, with parents, um, goes well beyond and far into the future. I was a DARE officer very early on in my career. I still have students who come up to me who are now way older than when they were in fifth grade and say, do you remember me? And I say, yes, you were in Mrs. Ranis's class in Franklin Elementary School. And those relationships that I built, both with you know white students and students of color, um, those are are foundational relationships that make policing work. And if and if people want to go back to just the police showing up and arresting or citing, that is where you see, you will see a dramatic deterioration of public confidence, public trust, and police legitimacy because they will only start seeing law enforcement once again as those people who show up to arrest and cite. I know Wally Janiaco, the principal at Logan, sent out a letter. I, yeah, this is a letter that I obtained, but uh, just, just you know, the lacrosse school board brought this up, whether or not we need school resource officers. And essentially the letter says uh, to parents and guardians and students, uh, you know what, this is a conversation we're starting to have. We need input from everybody before we even, you know, this is the conversation just starting. So we're going to get everybody's input. So I think that's a smart way to go. I mean, the idea that we're, <laughs> this isn't a decision that's being made. This is a decision, you know. <laughs> That's that's just starting to to a conversation that's just starting to happen, and I, and we're a year out from renewing this contract, so I I don't I don't see well, uh, yeah no I, I, so I'm a, I'm a parent of a Logan High School student, so obviously I I did receive that as well, and I, and I want to thank uh, Mr. Geneva Cole for for bringing that to parents' attention. This is a little I, I'm going to go out and say that this is a little more than just someone bringing up a point. This topic was addressed directly to the superintendent, the outgoing superintendent, by the school board president. Um, there, and if that happened, in my mind, and, and in knowing the political atmosphere and in knowing government and how it works, there is an agenda here. And Wally Geneva Cole's email to parents, including myself, was, listen, the school board didn't even ask administrators. They didn't ask teachers. And they didn't ask students about this. They're operating on their own agenda. The school board is an elected body eligible for recall. And they need to listen to the parents. When you look at the statements made and the comments made on on the articles written by NewsAid and Wisdom and the Tribune, those comments dramatically talk about wanting school resource officers in their buildings. So when you have a board or a board member who thinks opposite, 
they need to re- remember who they're representing. They're not representing themselves and their ideas. They're representing the people who voted them in and elected them to those positions. Sure, that makes sense. And technically, we don't have a story on this yet. I was waiting to talk to you before I wrote a story on it. Um, so there's no comments about it on our page yet. So, um, all right. So in, in getting, you know, that, that makes perfect sense. And I, I know you're getting heated about it. Obviously you have, now that you say you have children in, in, uh, in the school system. So it make, it's probably like a, a, a hot topic for you, but, um, just moving on a little bit, like we, we've had protests, uh, throughout the city, uh, five protests. They've all been very, very peaceful from what I, I've heard. I think maybe one of the routes got, you know, off track a little bit, but that wasn't a big, it ended up not being a big deal, but um, in, and I don't know if you've attended any of these protests, but I'm sure you've heard some, some people talk about them. What have you heard from the community as far as things that the lacrosse city of lacrosse police department could do better in, in terms of like race relations or, or dealing with black folks? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the chief was at these, um, these rallies and, and, you know, certainly, uh, when we talk about police, um, you know, this is, and I'm, I'm part of the criminal justice management council as well. You know, this, uh, you know, systemic racism goes well behind and it's, it is not a police issue. You know, when, when you talk about racism, when you talk about, uh, you know, generational racism, this is, is well beyond and, and, and much deeper than a police issue. Um, you know, is there racism in policing? Yes, there, there is, because policing is, is just a slice of, of what the population is. Um, you know, but, there, you know, there's been talks about, uh, you know, training and things of that nature. When you look at the training that the lacrosse police department provides, you know, we have four um, trainers in fair and impartial policing. We teach every one of our officers to recognize um, implicit biases and, and what those are and how they can overcome them and, and how they can, can confront them in their minds so they're not making decisions based on those. And every single person uh, in America has implicit biases. It's, it's just how you're born and raised, uh, and it doesn't matter what color you are. So we, we talk about those things. We train those things. We are, we're constantly training on, on those type of issues. I, and I would like to say that we're way ahead of the curve um, when it comes to, to, that, to that topic um, compared to other law enforcement agencies, certainly our size. Yeah, I had Tim Grinke, the district attorney for the county in here, I think last week. And he talked about how, you know, the, the city is kind of ahead of, you know, things like banning chokeholds, which might be a Wisconsin thing. But he said the city's uh, police department is way ahead of a lot of these uh you know, initiatives, the, the, the online initiatives, eight something, I can't remember what they're all called, but, um, so, so I, I feel like, you know, according to Tim Grinke, you know, he said, he said that the, the city is doing very, very well. Um, just to wrap up, uh, Rob, uh, again, assistant police chief, Rob Abraham with the city's police department, uh, just to lighten it up for, real quick. If you know one, one off the top of your head, the weirdest call you've ever got, or, you know, you've been doing this, you said since the nineties, I'm sure you've, you've got, uh, endless stories, but can you pick, uh, one of the, one of the better stories or funnier stories that you've had, uh, throughout your policing career? Oh, I told you you were going to test my memory on that. And, you know, I mean, there's so many, so many things have happened over the course that, uh, they all just start to blend together, but, you know, normally the best stories for law enforcement aren't aren't the big arrests aren't the big busts it's always 
you know, you know, the fact that, you know, when you're helping someone and when, when you, when you do something and someone comes back to you and says, you know, years later, you know, Hey, I remember when, you know, you stopped out and got out of your police car and, you know, and came over and, and, you know, we were playing on the playground. We were, we we thought what's going on and all of a sudden you got into a basketball game with us. You know, there's, um, there's stories like that where, where people, you know, will remind me of that. And, and that particular story, you know, a guy by the name of Ezekiel Mack, um, he tells me that story uh, when I bump into him around town. And, you know, he was new, he was new to town. He was a, a young kid, um, you know, here in lacrosse. And, and he said that, you know, those things, you know, really made an impact on him as far as how he viewed police. Um, and those are the things that, you know, stick out in my mind when I, when I think about, you know, the last 30 years and, and and hopefully the next uh, you know five years here before I can can hang things up and and do something different maybe start a radio talk show or something. <laughs> come co, you could come co-host. Uh, uh, did you win this basketball game? How is your basketball game? I I, I tell I tell Mac that I, I I showed him everything he knows about basketball and that somehow he doesn't think that that's true. <laughs> that that sounds about right. All right, Rob. Thanks a lot for for stopping in and and putting up with all, all these questions. Hey, no problem. Thank you. All right, bye bye. That was Assistant Police Chief Rob Abraham with the City of Lacrosse Police Department, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap up after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a minute here, so appreciate Rob Abraham stopping in. Not stopping in, but calling in. We're doing the whole social distancing, especially now as we have the uh, most cases of the virus ever in the city today in the top three days ever that we've had cases in, uh, coming the last three days. But, yeah, I appreciate that. 